Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding and check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. We are back and we are live. It is Fight IQ presented by Rotowire here to talk UFC 253, our main event. We have two title fights. The main event is Israel, the last stylebender. Adesanya taking on Paulo Bohashina or the Mind Racer, whatever you want to call him. The human steroid, Paulo Costa. Our co-main event, the light heavyweight title, Dominic the Dominator Reyes taking on, I don't even know Jan Blachowicz's nickname. Does he have one? How do I have that? Well, Polish power. power. That's right. So cheesy. I put it out of my head. Polish power in the light heavyweight, the vacant light heavyweight title. I am your host, the Daily Fantasy Sniper, here to talk all things DraftKings and FanDuel. I guess all things Daily Fantasy Sports for UFC 253. With me, as always, the co-host, the analyst, the important guys. It is Chris Olson and Joe, also known as Sun Tzu. Guys, how you doing? So I have a question, Sean. Does FanDuel have an MMA product? Um, it's it's basically a giant turd, but it's there. Oh my gosh. God, you know, as long as I waited, you know, for FanDuel to come out with a competing product, like, how did they F it up? I mean, really, they they had so many opportunities to just kind of like, yeah, I will give DraftKings so much props. I mean, aside from, you know, how quickly they make fight, they make fight official, makes make fights official and actually pay people at the end of slates, which, you know, FanDuel takes forever. Like FanDuel had a, a blank slate to actually like put a put a group together and say, what do you guys like about what DraftKings does? What do you guys don't like? They had a blank slate and they could have made such a cool MMA product. I have to really question who they actually listened to when they rolled it out. Like, like 
who did they get? Like the five people who never played DraftKings MMA? Like it's such a mess, their product. I don't know. And, and DraftKings is still – I have my issues with DraftKings still. As much as I play there and it's well, a better you know, product. Dude, we got to get – Fights up fight on metrics. time and, and fight metrics, dude. Like fight metrics is the worst. Like it, it, it kills me. I mean, it's become a real factor in how you look at fights. Like you know, like or, like when. And again, um, this is the first time we've met since you know the Waterson Hill fight. But um, you know, ESPN. You know, the stat provider. Talk about that. Yeah, gave Michelle Waterson 131 strikes total. DraftKings stats provider in their ultimate wisdom decided to give Michelle Waterson 128 significant strikes, right? By one and a half points, I lost five grand. That's real money. I mean, that is real, real money that's affected by how your stat provider reports, you know, significant strikes, among other things. So it's really become a factor in how you got to look at these fights. Yep. Angel Hill gets it. Angel Hill gets that decision. I win, I win, I win the GPP, so I don't want to. Wow. Well, that too. That would have helped, but yeah. that's not that's none of them. Anyway, enough about that card, Chris. How how you doing, by the way? I'll let you. I'm doing you want to rank good. I'm, I'm uh I'm I didn't hear that. What I assume it was a shot at me, but go ahead. No, I said anything you want to rant about. Be, uh, oh, okay. Start? I I no? I'm I'm just I'm waiting for it. Excuse me. That's my. Yeah, uh, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, n- no. Uh, I uh, I'm I'm I'll bring a little positivity to this. I'm. Well, you uh, pick Diego Sanchez. I'm gonna I'm gonna then then I'll mock you. No, even Chris, yeah. even Chris can't do that. I, yeah, no, even, that's even beyond my powers. But uh, I do have some dogs coming up. But no, I, I'm uh, I'm very excited about this main event. Um, I feel like it kind of snuck up on us in terms of like the the outside world wasn't really thinking of this as a big fight. But as we get closer, I feel like this is getting a lot of a lot of traction. So maybe um, a good thing to bring outsiders in, and, and this card in general, I think. This <laughs> opportunities especially dog opportunities so uh yeah i'm excited to get into it let's uh let's do it i got 11 fights wish it was 12 but it's probably better than the 15 quite honestly um 11 fights they're at they're at fight island so hopefully we don't have as many crazy cancellations and and stuff we got through weigh-ins we seem to be okay knock on wood so god bless fight island um before we get started though make sure you go to rotowire.com free for a 10-day free trial to all of rotowire's premium content no credit card required. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, Rotowire MMA on iTunes. Subscribe to Rotowire on YouTube. Those of you guys who are live, um, welcome back. Thank you. Wow, there's, there's, I just looked over to the comments. I see a lot of you guys in here. Um, welcome to you know, the, uh, the uh, usual crow, non uh, crew. John, John's here. Ryan's here. I got Tajik. I got, I got non. I got all you guys. Uh, more in there. So welcome back, guys. Nice to see all of you. Let's talk some goddamn fights. Kadiz Ibrahimov, 8,700. Yeah, he's still in the UFC, and he's a yeah. favorite because he's taken on Danilo Marquez at 7,500. Kadiz is a minus 175, 170 favorite. The comeback on Marquez, plus 160. Chris, can yes, Ibrahimov, who's on a three-fight losing streak, beat an old trash can fighting up a weight class. Well, the the funny thing about I- Ibrahimov is he actually did try to fight like a normal person in his last <laughs> fight against uh, Roman Delizzi. He was um, very cautious. He used a lot of low kicks, and he was still doing his wild flurries, but he was doing them on the counter. 
sort of like a hair trigger. So Delizzi would throw and he would automatically try to come back with three or four. It actually was working pretty well until, uh, you know, he ducked into Delizzi's knee and uh, that was the end of the fight. But I don't know. I, I, I still can't really pick him um, at this price. I think um, Marquise, you know, is not uh, anything to write home about, of course, but he does have a nice wrestling game. He is pretty athletic. Um, he tends to keep range pretty well, although the the uh, I think the one KO loss on his record is him being uh, wiped out by a big counter shot. So that's interesting based on what uh, Ibrahimov did in his last fight. But um, I just can't trust him to keep it together. He could he could certainly come out and get a KO here, but um, but I, I'm not going to trust it. I'm not going to pick it. Especially we know that um, he gets tired in fights. So if that fight would have gone on much longer, who knows uh, where his gas tank would have been. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust um, – I mean, I'm using the word trust very lightly here. But I'm going to trust Marquez's uh, wrestling game and, and oh. sort of agility in this, the cage to get it done. And as much as we, you know, rightly roll our eyes at these two fighters, there's probably going to be a finish that materializes here uh, – one way or another, and um, we always talk about those contrarian payups, and uh, Ibrahimov might just be that because um, I don't feel like many people are too excited to take him at 8,700. I don't know if people would be excited to take him at any price, but uh, certainly not for this one. We have seen him go for it, and if he gets it here, he's going to get uh, a lot of points. So I would say have this one rostered, and maybe the contrarian payoff is Ibrahimov, but. Uh, I'm taking Marquez. Joe? Yeah, so I actually disagree with Chris. I think he's going to be quite popular. Um, you know, Igor Bimov. Um, I don't know if you ever hold that, heard that old joke like, hey, do you have any naked pictures of your wife? Do you want to buy some? Um, that is probably what uh, Iggy here is holding over Dana White. Uh, you know, to get a fight after three straight losses, you know, somebody must really like him or he's got some serious blackmail material. On someone, you know, maybe an illicit affair with an octagon girl. I'm not really sure. Um, but I have to feel that this is finally a layup fight for Iggy that he can actually win. Didn't look horrible in his last fight. Um, you know, they found someone that they could kind of blow the dust off of that he can win. I'm going to have very little exposure to the other side. Um, I am going to read between the lines here um, in that the FDA, uh, UFC is looking for a victory for this guy. Um, you know, I think he's going to be fairly popular for that reason. Uh, you know, give me Eggy here. Um, you know, GPP play only. Moving on. Oh, God, I don't want to talk about this fight. Oh. Okay, deep breath. Compose myself. Juan Espino is a $9,100 oh, nice. favorite. $9,100 Juan Espino. Minus 290. Come back on Jeff Hughes is plus 260. Um, 7,100. I'm on the Hughes side just because I think both guys also suck. Um, and I'll just, I can't, I'm more likely to pay 7,100 for Hughes who will break the slate to win versus Espino. That being said, like both these guys are going to tell you, we likely get a finish here. So I'm going to have Espino too. I can't ignore him. It's a GPP fight, but for the value, I have to take Hughes. Uh, Joe, you um, and I, I know you're a big uh, finance guy. You ready to pay 9100 for Juan Espino? Uh, unfortunately, I am. Um, you know, I do like him in this spot. I'm not a fan of Hughes. I don't like his game. I don't like his output. 
Um, look, it is odd. I agree. There is a lot of narrative around this fight. You win the ultimate fighter and then you don't fight again for two years. So what in the H have you been doing? Well, he spent some time in American Top Team. He's done some grappling. We know his wrestling chops. Um, I have not yet watched weigh-ins, but I have heard he looked fine um, at weigh-ins. Like, did not show any, like, obvious injuries or, you know, just looked good. Looked okay at weigh-ins. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt here. Um, once this fight gets to the ground, it's over for you. So let's let's be real here. Um, so there is a really defined path to not only victory, but an early finish here. I'm not sure how popular he's going to be because of the layoff. I mean, uh, you're going to see a lot more money on Riddell, um, probably, although I, I do think that that's a riskier fight. Um, but I really don't see much of a problem here for a Speedo. I mean, you know, it's not like he's been, you know, taking a two-year siesta. You know, he has been doing some work. He has spent some time at ATT. Um, you know, he has been doing some grappling competitions. So I like Espino here. And look, for any other weight class, you know, 39 is old, except for heavyweight, you know. So I'm not that put off by his age. I do think it's odd that he felt he could make more money not fighting in the UFC for the last two years. Um, you know, maybe he's independently wealthy. Who knows? Um, but I'll take Espino here, and I've got him by finish. Chris, so yeah, I agree with basically everything Joe said. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, actually add some info. He was he was um, dealing with a hand injury for at least some of that time. Oh right, right. I don't I don't know, and I think I think it was a pre-existing injury that he decided to get taken care of. So you're right, uh, Chris. I think he broke both hands. That's that's a good catch. He broke. Yeah. Both hands. Um, but yeah, I I agree with Joe. I think that if look if you're an undersized heavyweight, you gotta have something that's going to set you apart. Like if, if you have surprising power, if you can really use your speed, if you're a good technician, if you're a really good grappler, um, uh, Je Jeff Hughes has none of these things. Um, so <laughs> Espino is, Espino is probably going to just wrestle him. And like the size advantage for a wrestler at heavyweight here is going to be, is going to be really, um, really noticeable. And I think that Espino He's very singularly minded. Uh, Jeff Hughes doesn't have the kind of power to change the course of the fight with one shot. Um, again, nothing really to differentiate himself. And Espino is, look, in a, as as uh, as uh, Joe said, in any other weight class, maybe you'd be in trouble. But if you're, you've got physicality and you can wrestle and grapple, I, I like your chances at heavyweight to at least get in the top 15. I mean, that's really how it is. So um, I think that Espino is the play here. I, I just I don't see how Jeff Hughes survives. Uh, I guess he's got a puncher's chance in the sense that everybody does. But, um, yeah, I, I really don't like any part of his game. And Espino at least has one thing he can do that's above average. So I'm rolling with that, and I'm taking Espino here. Moving on, Alexa Kamur, 8,600, taking on William. I've never done a steroid in my life night at 7,600. I say that because he really did say that um, in an interview today. People were accusing uh, him of it, and he, he was like, no. He was he, got, he was not pleased. As, you know, if you're falsely accused and put in the work, I could imagine. Um, doesn't look like it, but what do I know? I'm sitting here on my couch. Anyway, Alexa Kamur is minus 152. William Knight is plus 142. A fight doesn't go to decision. Minus 265. It's another great GPP fight. Um, 
I think Alexa Kamer is the much better prospect all around. I think he could specifically get takedowns and win this fight that way. I'm pretty high on him for his minus 150 line. Chris, is this one of your dogs? Are we going head to head here? Um, it's one of my dogs, but it's it's not. I'm not very strong either way. Like, if, if you wanted to give me a strong um, argument for Kamer, I I wouldn't. I wouldn't argue too much. I, I think that both of these guys are sort of formless and 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 don't really have a, a sustained plan in the cage. Kamor likes to do a bunch of spinning attacks and uh, like I, I picked him in, the, in that fight against uh, Justin Ledet and I was pretty confident about it. He won that fight, but um, didn't look really good doing it. Got tired, dropped at least one round, was eating left hooks all over the place. Um, as you say, Sean, the wrestling is a big problem uh, for William Knight. We saw that on the Contender Series, where if it wasn't for um, the grace of God and Herb Dean standing, we're not standing him up, excuse me, but warning the opponent while he was in back mount, forcing him to move and creating a scramble for Knight, um, he almost certainly loses that fight. As it is, he gets his win, and now he's here. And we, we did see Kamara get a late takedown against uh, Ledette there. I can't trust him to do that uh, 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 as a strategy, so I'm not going to. I think that at least uh, William Knight has more consistent offense on the feet, and he's not going to uh, like take breaks. He's not just going to look for spinny, rangy things from a mile away. I really think that it, all Knight really wants to do is get in the pocket and throw bombs, but I'm going to trust that more than some guy who wants to just – um, throw spinny things and maybe watch his work a little too much. So I'm very, um, very shyly taking Knight here. I think this one ends in a finish too. I, I feel like we've said, we said this for, um, well, actually, I, I mean, I don't think you have to have a lot of Jeff Hughes, but uh, Sean would agree with me. But I think that this is another one of those fights where you should have both sides because it's probably going to be over quickly. Um, but yeah, I'm taking William Knight uh, to get this done. Really? Yeah, I yeah, clearly I disagree. If if Knight is going to stand and trade, or if if Kimura is going to stand and trade, I'm going to feel less good than I did at the start of the fight. Like he needs to just grapple. Yeah, I think he's got a very clear path to victory here, Joe. So Knight is one of those guys that looks good getting off the bus. I mean, you know, like he looks really good, and you look at this guy and you're like, holy crap, this guy's a killer. He's got about one round of cardio. I mean, you know, he's not the smartest fighter in the world. Um, Kamor is the better prospect. Um, did not look great against uh, uh, Justin Ledet, um, which is maybe why some of the shine is taken off of him. But I really do think that if he fights smart, he will be able to to beat uh, Knight. I'm, I'm thinking maybe a finish in the second round, uh, maybe the early third round. Um, I like him here a little bit. I, I, I game plan this fight in my head, and I really saw Knight coming out really hot and heavy. And for that reason, you should have shares of him in GPPs. You know, coming out really hot and heavy, looking for the finish, getting really frustrated. And then in the second round, the momentum shifts, and Kamor just, you know, comes goes out there and, and, and you know, either, you know, completely befuddles him and, and gets a finish or just, you know, wears him down over three rounds. Uh, I'll take Kamor here. All right, moving on. We have, I gotta get this name right, Ludovic Klein, 8,300, taking on Shane Young at 7,900. 
line on this fight now. Let's see where the movement's gone. Uh, Klein up to a minus 122 favorite. Comeback on Young plus 112. This is an interesting fight because uh, inside the distance here because I think it was a good one too. Yeah, inside the, does not go to decision minus 150. You know, early in the week, Klein was an underdog. Saw a lot of love. I like Klein as well. He's my pick. And all of a sudden, people are saying, I've seen all these people touting Klein. And then all of a sudden, I've seen the other side going, this is getting out of hand. Why does everybody love Klein so much? And I've seen a ton of people now on Young. So it's weird kind of back and forth. I like Klein in this one. I think he's just the better prospect. I think, um, you know, either one of these guys could put the other ones down. I just, I think Klein is a little bit sharper, but I'm pretty sure Joe disagrees. So we'll start with Joe. Yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> Klein has fought, you know, some sketchy competition and some sketchy and a sketchy promotion. Yes, I'll, I'll give him that his last win was a good win. I, you know, you love to see a head kick um, knockout. But, I mean, he beat a, a 60-year-old Brazilian and it took him three rounds to do it. Um, you know, this guy, uh, you know, Rodriguez that he fought was 39-20-2. Can you imagine how old you have to be to have 61 fights in MMA? Um, and, and was 39 when he, you know, again, officially 39. I'd be shocked if this guy was not, you know, you know, the wrong side of 40 when this fight actually happened. And, you know, he was on quite a streak in that, you know, you know, he lost the three fights after he fought Klein. Um, so he was obviously on the decline, no pun intended. Um, I was terrible. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sorry. Um, look, Young is tough. I, I like Young. I think Young is growing comes from the, um, you know, camp du jour at City Kickboxing. Everybody is saying here, and watch out, guys. Everybody is saying, you know, he's the weak link in the City Kickboxing. I couldn't disagree more. Like, I mean, this guy went up against Volkanovski on short notice in his debut in the UFC, and he lasted three rounds with Volkanovski. If he can Wait, fight- Wait, was he fighting at City Kickboxing at that time? I don't know. That's a good question. I'm not that, sure. Because then you get one of those weird sparring partners. Well, right, I'm, I'm not accusing. I just, yeah. yeah, maybe Volkanovski carried him. That, that's fair, Sean. That, that's just, actually just fair. popped in my head. No, no, it's a fair point. I thought about that as well. Um, I, this guy is tough. I mean, he is really, really tough. Um, he's never been finished. Um, his losses are all by decision. Um, you know, you could argue that the competition he fought wasn't great either, but at least they were UFC fighters. Um, you know, like, I, I never even heard of the promotion that um, Klein has fought in. So, look, I think that at 7.9K, he should be owned. Now, will he be owned? Probably not. And he is not the weak link. The weak link in the city kickboxing, you know, stable of fighters on this slate is coming up. It's not Shane Young. So, if you're, if you're you know, fading Shane Young here, thinking he's the weak link of all the city kickboxing fighters you're you're really doing him a disservice and and yourself um i really do like um you know shane young here i, I don't know whether he's going to get a finish this might legitimately be the first decision um of the night but a 7.9k you know give me that i really like that chris so just looking at um so ludwig also missed by force we got two guys who missed by four pounds on this card yes Yep, That's I think crazy. five pounds was the Turk. Oh, he was wow. Okay, no, it was four. So he, was, he was he he was one fifty. Wow. Okay. All right, so that's interesting. Um, I, I agree with Joe. <laughs> we got to talk about that later too, good guy. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I agree with you. I mean, I, I like I like Shane Young a lot too, just in general. Um, I love his style. You know, come forward, throw a bunch of strikes, work the body a lot, especially those jabs to the body, and just really try to break the opponent. Um, so I actually really love the style that he brings. And I am picking him here, but I do think Klein is a dangerous fighter. Um, even more dangerous than maybe I thought when I first looked at him. I think he's a really powerful kickboxer. Now, he doesn't do that much. He, I mean, he, he loves his one-two head kick. He's got a couple of head kick knockouts, if uh, if I'm not mistaken. He, he he loves to hide that kick, that head kick behind a one-two. Um, he's, uh, he, he's good at sprawling out on uh, takedowns. He's nice and strong. But... Um, I just like Shane Young. I think the style works here. I think that Young is going to smother those kicks with his pressure. Now, we've seen Shane Young uh, eat a bunch of shots from not-so-great competition. Uh, Austin Arnett, he was taking shots. I mean, not not very hard shots. He was never in trouble in that fight, so I don't want to paint it like it was a huge problem, but he was – eating some shots and, um, you know, taking some shots from Klein might be uh, a more dangerous prospect. So this is a really interesting fight to me. I was kind of on the fence one way or the other. In general, though, I I love Young's style, as I said, and I think that um, he should definitely be owned because he's going to put his volume up. So if he wins, um, even in a decision, you know, he could sniff 100 very easily. Uh, so yeah, I like Shane Young here. I think that Klein should be owned in, a, in what I think is going to be a, a really good fight, maybe an, an, un, an underrated Lee, if that's a word, good fight on the uh, prelims. But yeah, my pick is Young. All right, moving on. Next fight up, we have Jake Matthews at 9,400, taking on Diego Sanchez at 6,800. Diego, I almost fought Conor McGregor six months ago, Sanchez. Yeah. You guys saw that story too. A lot of recent. I'm throwing up a lot of articles from my from my Twitter scrolling today in in our episode. Uh, Jake Matthews. The reason I'm throwing that stuff in is a minus seven oh five favorite, minus eight hundred at some books. Come back on Diego's plus five seventy. Um, yeah, that pretty much describes the fight pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of how we should approach it from DraftKings, we'll kick it to these guys. Uh, Chris, I think uh, Phil McKenzie had a good tweet that Conor McGregor has. The best imagined, the toughest imagined strength of schedule that you could possibly have. He he he's just he always has a story about how he almost fought this one and almost fought that one, except something happened. So Conor McGregor apparently never turns down a fight except uh, when he does. But um, as far as this fight goes, uh, yeah, I mean, what could you possibly, possibly, possibly expect from Diego Sanchez these days? I mean, even in even in the recent past, if it's a Diego Sanchez fight, you could be like, hey, at least I know he's going to come forward uh, with abandon and he's going to look for his takedowns. So, I mean, e- even in that kind of strategy, it would be a problem because I think with uh, strong grapplers, he has trouble, as we saw with Chiesa. But we don't even know that he's going to do that. I mean, against Pereira, he just like backed himself up against the fence immediately had that weird guard where he just stuck out one of his arms and um, you know, maybe he'll get, maybe he'll get lucky and Jake Matthews will also knee him while he's on the ground and then he'll pick up another win here. But um, as far as uh, like, like Jake Matthews is just, he's just the guy who does everything a little too well. He's got power on the feet. He's a decent boxer. He's a strong grappler, as I said. So 
I don't see what Diego's going to do here. I think this is um, – I think Jake Matthews is going to win this fight any way he wants to. It might not – it might not be a finish. We've seen Diego. I mean, these chins are weird. Sometimes they look like they're gone. Sometimes they look like they're back. Diego looks like he might be tough again. Then again, he hasn't really taken a shot from a guy like Jake Matthews um, in the way that he can deliver it. So I like Jake Matthews a lot here. The payup is the only question. But, yeah, Matthews uh, wins going away. Joe. Yeah, um, so I think Matthew should be a staple in your cash lineups. Um, you know, yeah, he's expensive. There are ways to get him in. Um, I do like him a fair amount here. Uh, you know, Diego was on his way to getting finished before the knee, and that, that was just really a weird fight. Um, you know, I'm not really sure what the matchmakers thought when they put this together. I mean, even though Matthews is only 26, he's got a fair amount of experience, octagon experience. Um you know, obviously, you know, Diego is 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 older than dirt in UFC fight years, but I like Matthews a fair bit here. I'd be surprised if he didn't get a finish. Give me Matthews. St- uh, cash game staple. Moving on, Brad Riddell, 9,200, take on Alex Da Silva at 7,000. Line in this fight, Riddell is now a minus 290 favorite. Come back on Da Silva, plus 260. Uh, interesting fight to me, Joe, because I do think Riddell is – the better fighter, better prospect, like he should win this fight. That's why he's a minus 290 favorite. But the Silva, as much as I don't like him and I don't, I keep coming back to, I've been thinking about it all day. He's got, for an underdog, he's such a defined path to victory in that Riddell can be taken down and the Silva, if he can control him, like the path is there. I just, I don't see it happening, but it's one of those underdogs that when you can constantly see a clear path, it's hard for me to totally ignore. So I'm trying to talk myself into more to Silva than I was 48 hours ago. You know, talk me off the ledge or encourage me. Ooh. Um, yeah. Uh, Riddell is the, not only a city kickboxing guy, but I also believe he's their striking coach. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's definitely a path to victory for, you know, for our friend Silva here. I, you know, honestly, not one of my, I mean, it's a GPP dart. Right. I don't I don't like it. Right. In any other way. It's, um, you know, if you can make a case like I was just, um, you know, I'm stalling to actually pull up, um, you know, some recent vice statistics on, um, you know, on our boy here. Uh, you know, here he goes. OK, so the guy is 21 and two. Like he's got a really good record here. Um, you know, Astrofight team. Uh, it's an OK camp, a Brazilian camp. Um, he's big. He's five foot ten. Um, you know, it's got a, it's got a 73 inch reach, but you know, that, um, that Yakolev fight was not a good luck. I mean, getting choked out by Yakolev in the second round is not a good luck. And look, he did what he was supposed to do against Vargas. I mean, he was minus 300 going into that fight against Vargas. Right. And then, um, he's just fought in like, like these weird promotions, like, like the Serbian Battle Championship and Aspra FC 57 and Brave C5. I mean, you know, he's kind of been all over the map, you know, for for a kid that's only 24 years old. The guy's got 23 fights. So can he improve? Sure. I mean, um, but you have to believe that Riddell is a guy that the UFC wants to get behind. Um, You know, he, he obviously has a defined path to victory. I mean, that's, keeping the fight standing. However, he can be taken down. 
So I'm not going to talk you out of, like, you know, putting him into your ownership pool, especially if you're playing mass entry. I mean, you should definitely have, you know, percentages based on whatever you feel ownership is going to be. You should be at market on uh, on on De Silva. I'm going to pick Riddell to win, but I'm certainly going to have shares of, um, you know, of De Silva or Leco in my GPP lineups. Chris? So, yeah, this is um, – I'm going to be a little bit more definitive here. This line's too wide. It just is. And uh, and I, I like Brad Riddell. I think he's, he's a great striker. He's got power. And, look, Alexander Yakovlev, uh, say what you want about him. Uh, he's got his grappling chops. He's uh, – I think I think he's a Sambo champion, something like that. Um, so it's not it's not like there's no danger uh, when you go to the ground with him. Uh, certainly, he um, imposes more danger than somebody like Riddell would. Uh, in any case, but yeah, I, I like the uh, Silva here as the dog play. I think he's uh, very athletic. You guys mentioned his grappling chops. He's also got a nice kicking game that I really like. We saw. Um, Mustafaev was really hitting uh, Brad Riddell with those body kicks in that fight. And I think that um, the Silva is going to be able to control here a lot better uh, than Mustafaev. Um, the Silva uh, is very good at fighting the back, very good at floating on top. I, I think that, that skill set's going to be there too. Um, look, the uh, Silva is going to have to fade the power of Riddell here. There's no question about it. And, those that twenty-one and two record, we don't know the quality of all those opponents to be sure, but he's still been in there twenty-three times. He still has that uh, veteranship. I'm sure he's faced powerful fighters before. I don't think he's just gonna melt in the face of somebody who wants to pressure him and and sort of hit him with big shots. I think that um, I think De Silva is a, is a nice play here. I think that he's gonna get this done. I think. He's going to get him down. Whether he's going to hold him down is the big question. I think he can. I think um, a sub is not out of the question, but I, I do like the Silva for the win. All right, moving on. Zubara Tukagov, 8,200, taking on Hakeem Dawadu at 8,000. Line on this fight, Tukagov, minus 137. Come back on Dawadu, plus 127. Tukagov misses weight by four pounds and then inflexes. That being said, as much as I think he's a douchebag, I think he's got a pretty clear path to victory here. I think he can take down Dawadu. I think Dawadu's a little overhyped. Um, I, I like the value on Tukagov, and it's a mid-range fight, so it has to be uh, strongly considered. Chris? Yeah, I, I still like Dawadu here. I mean, I mean that whole narrative is, of course, something to consider. It's not going to make me change my pick. Um, I think that Dawadu is – look, he got, he got sort of – First impressions are everything, right? So he got sort of tarred with this br brush. He got that really bad loss to Danny Henry where Henry caught him with a strike and then subbed him. It happens uh, four in a row since then, including Julio Arce, who is uh, no scrub. So I, I, I like a lot of what I see from Dowdu. He's lightning fast. He's a good kickboxer. He's got a strong takedown defense. I think it's like 85%. So, um, so we'll see how that plays here. But um, – uh, Tukagov's just a little too limited for me. On, on the feet, he loves to try to cover distance and throw those left those left hooks. Uh, it, worked, it certainly worked out against Kevin Aguilar, um, but uh, Dawudu is a guy who's much better at uh, keeping distance. I think that he will. I, I think that he's going to be able to stuff these takedowns or at least get back to his feet, but it's the X factor. You know, I don't think he's ever faced a guy who's going to be 
we think anyway, because Tugagov, I mean, it would imply, right, the fact that he missed by that much, that he's going to use a wrestling game plan. But we've seen sort of fights where it goes on and off. Sometimes he's very wrestling heavy. Sometimes he's not. We would tend to think that he will be, um, but we're going to have to see. I still think that overall, uh, Dawoodoo has uh, much better skills, uh, the much better skill set, and um, skills win fights. So my pick is Dawoodoo. Joe? Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with the Turk here um, to uh, to beat Dudu um, in this fight. Um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, Dudu has been an underachiever, um, you know, in the UFC. Um, you know, hasn't been overly impressive to me. I don't know if it's, you know, he just is not aggressive enough. Um, you know, again, here's this is another guy, you know, he's an 11-1-1 Canadian fighter that looks good when he gets off the bus. But I don't know if it's just he doesn't have a killer instinct. Um, he's made lesser fighters or guys with lesser skill sets look good. Um, you know, like, um, you know, again, Austin Burnett split decision over Kyle Boschniak. Um, you know, he was a minus 400 favorite against Ori, and it took him like three rounds to finish him. Uh, the win against RC was a good win, but it was a split decision win. I mean, you know, I'm not gonna, not gonna, you know, do cartwheels over a split decision win against Julio Arce, who I believe is no longer in the UFC. Um, I don't think Ori is, I'm pretty sure, um, Austin Arnett isn't, um, Boshniak, I think might still be in the UFC, but I'm not really sure. But, you know, this guy is, he's had a lot of hype and he's been, you know, a fairly significant favorite in most of his fights. Minus 510 Arnett, minus 200 Boshniak, uh, minus 400 Ori. Um, and, you know, la like, again, last fight was he was minus 120. So he's been a favorite in all four of his fights. Yes, he's gotten the win. But, you know, I think he's been a much better play for just pure betting versus DraftKings. And then we got our friend the Tark here who is 19-4-1. He's coming off his quote-unquote, you know, time-off period for, uh, you know, he had a time-off period for that melee. Um, you know, lost a split decision to uh, Renato Moicano, which, again, is not a, was not a bad look. Um, you know, it, uh, you know, yes, he beat some, you know, some, some cream puffs prior to that, but, you know, Murphy has turned out to be a really good fighter, um, had a draw against Murphy, and just nuked Kevin Aguilar. Now, I'm not expecting him to nuke, uh, you know, Dudu and put up 125 points like he did, but I certainly like him. I, I like his price. Um, I know there's a bit of a risk here because this could be a really kind of, you know, boring, slow-paced fight because Dudu does not really like to engage. Um, so I'm going to take the Turk here. I'm going to take a flyer on him. I like him. I think he's got a pretty decent ceiling. Um, so give me the Turk. Somebody's out there counting. Please let me know how many times Joe just said doo-doo. Um, <laughs> moving on. Catlin Vieira, 8,800, taking on Sajara Eubanks at 7,400. Vieira is the favorite, minus 185. Sarge, plus 160. Joe was talking to you about this. I, I, I got to snap myself out of underselling Sajara Eubanks since this move to bantamweight. I still think Ketlin Vieira is better, but I'm I, I'm nowhere near re, uh, writing off Sarge. I think this is probably – I think this fight is lined a little wider than it should be, even if I'm favoring Ketlin, which makes Sarge a play in all formats. And even if Vieira wins on DraftKings – 
hard to get at that price range. Um, so, Joe, kick it to you. Chris, just go right to you after I got to run and take care of the daughter real quick. Yes. Uh, so I, I actually, you know, look, I, I like Sarge. You know, um, Vieira is coming off of a fairly brutal knockout um, against Irene Aldana. Not like the worst look in the world. Aldana is, um, you know, going to be fighting for a title soon. Um, and I've always been really high on Aldana. But, you know, there's a little bit of narrative, you know, around this fight. Now, I heard that, you know, Caitlin Vieira was having an issue with getting her coach, um, you know, into the U.S. She's a Novo and Yao fighter. Um, for those of you that are not, like, diehards like me and Chris and Sean, Novo and Yao was the bomb gym in Brazil. I mean, they put a ton of money into, like, facilities and training and coaching. And then... What happened? You ask, USADA. Um, this is a gym that fell off the cliff, proverbially, because of USADA. Um, you know, it is like now just sort of a, a casual mention, although the facility is still really nice. Um, the men fighters seem to be more affected than the female fighters. But, um, you know, she's a no-one-yell fighter. Um, again, that vicious knockout has had some fights canceled. I'm not really sure if she's had any injuries or not. Um, you know, would've, I would have liked her more against Marion Renault. Um, but look, I like Sarge. I mean, you know, Sarge is, I was on her, you know, truth be told, um, you know, against the Raging Panda. I thought that that was a really good spot for her. Um, you know, people are making, you know, the narrative about her weight issues is really overblown because those were issues at 125, not bantamweight, right? So at bantamweight, you know, she, as far as I can tell, she hasn't had any weight issues. And you know, she's coming off of two pretty solid wins. And, you know, she's always in it for a firefight, um, has never been finished, um, has got some good ground credentials, Brazilian jiu-jitsu credentials. You know, yeah, she's giving up some height, but I really don't believe the reach that, that she's giving up all that much in reach. Uh, let's see. Okay, so she's giving up four inches in height, but she's only giving up one inch in reach, right? I, I really like, I think it at the price point, um, I'm going to pick Sarge to get the upset here. Um, and I think she's kind of viable in GPPs. So I'll take Eubanks. Chris. Yeah. Um, I, 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 this is another thing for me where um, it's not so much the first impressions, but maybe there was an impression with Eubanks that left a bad taste in people's mouths. I'm thinking specifically of the loss to Betchkohea, where she looked good in the first round and then sort of gassed out and gave that fight away. She looked really good against Avila down the stretch, and that was a fight that had a lot of grappling in it. So if, if I'm going to uh, say whether it's fixed or not, I'm saying that maybe maybe the conditioning issues aren't completely in the rearview mirror, but then it's not really something I'm worried about. And when you look at somebody like Ketlin Vieira, I mean, the bottom line is all, all of her best wins are against the, these old guard Ronda Rousey-era fighters, Kat Zingano, Sarah McMahon, Ashley Evans-Smith, who's still here, but, I mean, her best days are clearly behind her. Um, and then the first time she, she steps up to fight uh, this new breed, quote-unquote, who can do a little bit of everything, um, uh, uh, Adana can do a little bit more of a little bit. I mean, she's a really good boxer. But I'm saying, I mean, a lot, a lot of those wins are just, like McMahon and uh, Zingano, those are just, those are those are those are uh, the the pure grapplers, right? And Sarge is a, a really good, solid technical boxer. She's got some power. She's a little bit slow 
a little bit stiff. I think Alda, uh, Alda, not Aldana. Um, uh, I think Vieira definitely has the hand speed. I knew I would remember her name, but she's also extremely wild. She's got two settings. When she's leading, she's sort of just throwing big overhands, and when she's when she's um, countering, she's basically just flurrying. And I think Sarge has a tight enough boxing game to to really find that left hook, maybe in in the same exact way Aldana did. I wouldn't put it past her. And in the grappling department, look, Sarge is she's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu champion. She's got a black belt at Worlds. She's got a couple of silver, a black, a black, a gold medal at Worlds in black belt, I should say. She's got a couple other medals there too, some silvers at brown belt. So she's a very accomplished Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu artist. I'm actually. Hoping this fight hits the ground because I want to see it play out, but I certainly don't think she's at a major disadvantage there if she's at one at all. I think she's the more technical fighter, and now that the gas tank issues have at least largely been ironed out, I, I'm actually pretty high on Sarge here. I like her to get this done. Yeah, Chris, I think I pretty much evolved as a co-host. Um, I really came very close um, when you said she's a little stiff to commenting that's what she said, but yeah. I... I completely let it go. I didn't say it. Um, I'm turning over a new leaf as a co-host on this show. We just lost viewers. No, people are here for sex jokes. That's what they're here for. Okay. Okay. They're they're here for the Vaseline and lotion jokes. Vaseline. I will not bring myself in. Chris, that's what she said. There you go. I like it. All right. I have such high hope for you, Joe. Such high hope. Well, we're going to get Joe even more fired up because I know he has a strong stance in this next fight. Kai Carr France, 8,900, taking on Brandon Royval at 7,300. France, it's 8,900. That is a big price tag for his style. He is a minus 215 favorite. The comeback on Royval plus 195. Royval did not look good against Tim Elliott until Tim Elliott ran out of gas. Uh, Weigh-ins, I was surprised how much bigger Royval was than um, France today, so that was interesting. Joe? Yeah, so you want to know the weak link in city kickboxing? Here it is. It's Kai Car of France, uh, who has the odd nickname of, of you know, the finisher, which he is not, obviously. Um, look, uh, yes, Raval didn't look great. Um, and, you know, Tim Elliott is, is a top-notch fighter who, um, you know, seemingly with purpose only has one round of cardio um, and is a bonus hunter. And, you know, he did what he does. He could not get the finish. Completely gassed, Rival caught him in a sub. Now, what I like about Rival is that he took that bonus that he received for finishing, um, uh, you know, Tim Elliott, and also he won my 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 friend Paul, um, you know, three hundred ninety one thousand dollars in the inaugural Millie Maker, um, you know. So I will always remember Brandon Rival. Um, but he took that and he quit his day job. Um, so this is his first fight. Um, in the UFC, where he has had full time to train as a fighter, you know, no, no day job, you know, no, no hauling groceries. Uh, again, I'm not sure what he was doing actually, but no day job, full time fighter. Um, I think he has got actually more paths to victory here. I mean, the one path to victory that uh, you know Kaikara France has, and it's not, you know, not that it's not compelling, is essentially to win by decision. Okay, great. Um, you know, Sean mentioned the size difference. Um, I, I do think that, um, especially later in the fight, that, you know, some grappling exchanges can work in Rival's favor here. Um, I really do like him in this spot. I think he's an incredible value. Um, I, I think anyone who 
decides to bet on uh, Kai Car France at minus 200 is a little bit nuts. Again, this guy has got a three-fight win streak. I love, 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 love that he's training at Factory X. Um, you know, the, the, the cardio kings and great training partners. Um, you know, so, like, I will, I will stack Factory X up against City Kickboxing, you know, every day and twice on Sunday. Um, so, you know, give me Rival here to upset, um, you know, at a dog price, um, using his size, using grappling exchanges um, to finish the City Kickboxing weak link, Kai Kara France. Chris? Yeah, I think that um, the, the reason why Roy Val was able to look so good against Elliot is because Elliot can't really do anything on the feet. He wants to grapple, and that's where why where Roy Val is the strongest. I mean, <coughs> he's excellent in these scrambles, as we saw. Um, but uh, Kai Kara France has dealt with a lot of those fighters. Um, he, he, he beat uh, Mark De La Rosa. He didn't beat Brandon Moreno, but Brandon Moreno didn't take him down. He beat Elias, Elias Garcia. Um, these are these are three fighters who use their jujitsu primarily, and uh, n- none of them could sub uh, France. And uh, as, as memory serves, he did quite well on the ground when he was there against uh, Elias Garcia. So I, I really think that Roy Val is just going to be sort of on an island on the feet here. I did note, um, even in my review of the Tim Elliott fight, that Roy Val hangs his chin up in the pocket. And I, I recall saying that if Tim Elliott was a big puncher or a bigger puncher, that would be a problem. Uh, Kai Kara France might not be the biggest puncher in the world. He's a, a, a bigger threat than Tim Elliott, certainly. So I, I I don't really like the spot for Roy Val just because I don't think that um, he's going to get as much purchase on his jiu-jitsu as he did against Tim Elliott. If he gets was able to get it to the ground, I have confidence that he could outscramble most of the fighters in this division. I don't think it's going to get there. I think it's going to stay on the feet, and uh, I think Roy Val is in trouble there. So give me Kai Carr fronts. Moving on, co-main event time. Dominic Reyes, 9,000, taking on Jan Blahovich at 7,200. Uh, uh, Reyes, minus 245, comeback on Blahovich, plus 225. Fight does not go to decision, minus 205. I'm on the Reyes side here. Somebody made a great tweet earlier. I, I'm going to reference another one. Can you imagine we could, we could Saturday night, we could have a, a UFC light heavyweight champion who has lost to Patrick Cummings. We could see it. <laughs> Chris, how do you have it? I um, I think I'm in the majority here, which is a spot I don't like to be. But um, I'm naturally contrarian. But I have to say that I I, I like uh, Dominic Reyes here. I just think uh, he, he's going to use that length. He's going to use his spirit kickboxing. I, I, it'll be interesting to me if Jan uses his wrestling. We don't see it a lot, but... When we do see it, it tends to come in, in bunches. He's got fights with four takedowns. I think he has another one in there with multiple takedowns. But, um, you know, it's few and far between. I'll be interested to see if he goes to it here. Jan has really just sort of invented himself, reinvented himself with basically a jab and a left hook. And I don't think that's going to be enough against a guy who is a really good boxer in his own right. Um 
and as a, and appears to you know know what he's doing on the ground, although it's probably a work in progress. But uh, yeah, I just I just don't see Jan having enough tools to get this done. I don't think um, you know just being able to sit behind the jab is going to be enough here, as it has been in the past. I don't think it's gonna it's not going to be like an opportunistic situation where he's just going to catch him off of, off of a clinch with his hands down like a Luke Rockhold. I think that the Jan Blahovich surge here, as impressive as it has been, has relied on, on, on a few uh, fringe things that just aren't going to be available to him in this fight. I don't know if he's going to be able to finish Jan. Jan is uh, pretty legendarily tough. Uh, Tiago Santos did it, but that's just kind of what Tiago Santos does. So, um, yeah, I, I think that um, Jan Blahovich is just going to be outgunned here. Again, if he goes to the wrestling That'll be a little bit more interesting. If he doesn't, I expect uh, I expect that Reyes will just pick him apart on the feet uh, until the final bell sounds or we do get a finish. So I'm going Reyes. Joe, I don't have a whole lot to add. You know, I'm I'm pretty much completely aligned with with Chris here. I mean, I like Reyes. I think that you know uh, Polish power Jan Blakowicz has got a puncher's chance. Um, you know, we've seen it before. We've seen them, you know, nuke some guys that were either chinny or at the tail end of their careers. Um, you know, I do like Reyes here. Look, I mean, if he fights a smart fight, um, I don't see any reason why he, you know, he shouldn't win this. Um, I do believe, um, and again, we'll talk about this when we give our hot takes. I do see this as a fight, um, you know, going beyond the two and a half round total put up. And I think there's certainly a wagering opportunity there if you don't want to pick a side. Um, and it's a very profitable one. Um, but I am going to pick uh, Reyes here. Right, moving on. It's our main event. Israel, the last style bender, Adesanya, 8,500. Take on, I'm going to repeat all the nicknames, Paulo Bohashino, or the Mind Eraser, or Captain Steroid Costa at 7,700. Um line in this fight, Israel Adesanya minus 175, come back on Costa plus 165. I'm in a really weird spot um, in that I have picked against Adesanya a bunch uh, just when I saw how close Marvin Vittori was and takedown stuff and just what I thought were bad matchups. I, I seem to have been off of Adesanya when everyone else was on. And now I'm hopping on and everyone else is hopping, you know, people are hopping off taking Costa. And I just think this is a bad matchup for Costa. Costa's, you know, I saw Yoel Romero hasn't fought anybody really great. Uh, Uriah Hall gave him fits with the jab before um, he was able to finish that fight. So, you know, if Uriah Hall is beating you up with the jab, what do you think Israel Adesanya is going to do to you? Um, Costa's got to get this fight to the ground, and then I'm worried about the gas tank. I just, I just see Izzy picking him apart in space here, and it just, it's weird to see Adesanya at 8.5k. And I'm finally on him, and everyone else is off. So that's how I had this fight. Um, who we start with? I think Chris, you're up for the main event. Yeah. So I I think space is the key word, uh, Sean. I and I just don't think that Costa is going to give him much of that. Uh, Costa is by far the most consistent smothering pressure fighter that uh, that Adesanya has ever fought. And I do think that if you try to smother him with pressure, you can freeze him a little bit. Because he needs that space. We saw it in the Gaslam fight. We even saw it a little bit in the Vittori fight. Now, uh, 
Adesanya fights have been weird because we've seen people try to fight him in really odd, specific ways. Um, like the, the Derek Brunson fight, yeah, I guess that's pressure, but it's so weird and frantic that, that, you know, it's not really what we're talking about here. Same with the Whitaker fight, really, where he just tried to just throw those big looping shots that a guy who can move as well as Adesanya is just going to see coming a mile away and counter. And he can still get his countering opportunities here. I just isn't... I think that, <clears throat> excuse me, I just think that Costa is, um, I think he's been a little underrated since he's gotten here. I think he's just always been the guy where people are like, yeah, big muscle head, but that's it. But I think there's more to his game than that. I think he's really good at cutting off the cage as a pressure fighter. Um, I think that he's really good at throwing in his body work, especially those uppercuts to the body and those body kicks that we saw a lot in the uh, Yoel Romero fight. Um, if you if you look at the Kevin Gastelum fight, I mean, it was kind of back and forth, but I would argue that a lot of the best shots in that fight came from Gastelum until the fifth round where Gastelum just got tired and uh, Adesanya was able to completely take it over. Now, that could happen here. We saw, um, we saw uh, Bochinha gas out a little bit in the third round of the Yoel Romero fight, but that was a really high-paced fight. And I think that um, Borchini is going to control this pace here. I think that's the way Izzy fights. Izzy wants you coming in so that he can look for opportunities to counter you. And as far as the jab goes, I'm not here to say that um, Uriah Hall has a better jab than uh, Israel Adesanya, but it's definitely harder. It's definitely a more purposeful punch. I think that um, the Adesanya jab, as far as we've seen it, so far is basically just to keep space, maybe set up other attacks. The uh, Uriah Hall jab is is really like a purpose punch. And even then he just sort of walked through it and said, okay. And look, it's so funny in that Uriah Hall fight. A minute after Uriah Hall hurt him, the fight was over and Costa had won it. So um, that's sort of what we need to know about how Costa deals with adversity. Um He's just going to keep coming unless he really gets cracked, which he could, and uh, certainly not ruling it out. I I love this fight. I think it's going to be super interesting. But uh, I'm taking Costa here just to be too much with his pressure uh, and his power and his variety of his striking. So give me Costa. Joe? Yeah, so, Sean, you and I are in the same boat. You know this. I mean, I have pretty much faded Izzy in every fight since Marvin Vittori nearly finished them or I should say Russell left him. Um, I've been off Adesanya. I always thought he was overrated. And now I find myself on Adesanya against the, um, you know, the Ricky Martin wannabe. I think that's what he called him. Um, yeah, it's, it scares me a little bit. And I kind of just like feel a little sick with myself and a little dirty at the same time. But I really do like Izzy here in this fight. And it's, again, it's hard to admit. And if this is the one fight where, you know, Izzy, you know, it's the the MMA gods say, you know, this is what you get for fading him all the way until now, I suppose I'll have to live with it. But I really do think that Izzy is the better fighter here. Um, I think he's the smarter fighter. I think he has the highest fight IQ. Um, You know, I I do like him here. Look, I will have shares of uh, both sides of this fight in GPPs. But if, again, I don't think it's a very stackable fight, Um, you know, but if I was going to pick one one of the fighters to play in cash, that would be Izzy. 
Um, you know, so I do also like the over two and a half rounds in this fight as well. Um, but I'll take Izzy. All right, guys. It is hot takes time. Um, your new hot takes are, um, you know, unknown play, something unexpected we think will happen could potentially win you a GPP or in Joe's case, I think he's going to throw out a prop, make you a bunch of money. Before we get to that, I'll do the ending, um, the read quick. Uh, make sure, actually, the podcast, as you guys know, brought to you by by, by Rotowire. Had to thank them. Go to rotowire.com slash free for a 10-day free trial to all their premium content. No credit card required. Like, comment, subscribe to um, the video on YouTube. It is uh, under Rotowire is is the channel. The iTunes to subscribe to the podcast is Rotowire MMA. I'm at sniper underscore DFS. Chris is at real Chris Olson. Joe is at Sun Tzu. That being said, I'll kick off the hot takes and we'll take some viewer ones as well. Jeff Hughes, winner by knockout. Oh my goodness. Because Juan Espino gasses himself out trying to wrestle in the first round. Hughes gets a second round knockout. All right. Um, all right. I'll, I'll go. Um, Shiara Eubanks finds that left hook in an exchange and knocks out Ketlin Vieira for the win. Joe, give us that um, parlay. I, okay. I know it's so, yeah, yeah, so this is – look, this is not very sexy, but if you feel like I feel where both of these, uh, you know, the main and the co-main are going to go over two and a half rounds, which I, I do believe, uh, it's a pretty sweet plus 189 parlay. Um, so I uh, bet um, a thousand and change in order to win uh, two thousand on this parlay. Um, I, I really do like it. Look, anything can happen. It's MMA, but I do think that both fight both fights will go north of two and a half rounds, um, and that's what I'll be rooting for here. So that's my quasi hot take. All right, Re- looking into the crowd real quick. We got Ryan Barton. Both title fights. Go to decision. Is that is that hot? I don't know. Yeah, both of them going to decision. Yeah, they're, they're both like minus two fifty to finish. Oh, they they are even. Okay, yeah. all right. Um, John Tiller, Royval second round submission, specific there. Like it, Rob. Get the. I'm I'm still putting it up because I... Sanchez by KO and fights Connor. If that happens, I'll fight you, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> we're a parking lot somewhere we can we can fight for some money um all right guys that's what we got an hour pretty much on the nose love it nice to see you guys for a pay-per-view enjoy the fights make some money good luck in your contest we'll see you next time peace Thanks, guys.